Hi everyone, welcome to my channel. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Autumn Bardot and today we're going to discuss those amazing symbols, those amazing heavy hitters, fire and water. These are powerful elements and they are fraught with a lot of symbolic significance and their meanings stem from a myriad of religious beliefs, cultures, legends, and myths. But before we get started, you know what I have to do. I have to say, if you haven't already, please subscribe and then click that notify button. Thanks so much. Before we even start, I get a lot of questions about symbols and symbolism. Writers ask me, do I have to have symbols? No, no, you don't. And a lot of writers don't use them at all. The other question I get is, what are they exactly? Well, I can't say what they are exactly because symbols have a myriad of meanings. They mean a multitude of things. The thing is, symbols are multifaceted. There's never a one-on-one -on -one correlation. This means that doesn't happen. Symbols can also change over time. Think of something like the rainbow or the swastika. Symbols are often ingrained in our subconscious. Sometimes we feel the symbol or its symbolism without being able to actually analyze it. And this is the beauty of what the writer can do. And also you can make things symbolic of what you want to make them symbolic of. Symbols can be shared through cultures or they can be specific to culture or religion. So let's get back to those heavy hitters, fire and water. On their own, they both represent power, destruction, ambiguity, duality, and divinity. They're amazing symbols. Whether earthly or otherworldly, both fire and water are forces of nature that we fear but we also need. These forces of nature are both feared and loved with equal fervor. We need both to survive. No wonder poets and authors love to play with the symbolism of fire and water in their works. How does a writer convey what they want to with these symbols? Authors will use additional words in the paragraph or the sentence to add to what we already kind of know. It can be something about revealing character. It could be an ambiguity, an irony, all of them, or fire and water can simply be a plot device. <laughs> so what is fire? I'm gonna read from my list because that's how many I have. Fire is war and chaos. Just watch the news. It's linked to the sun and lightning. It's associated with passion, creativity, anger, and wrath. It's a method of purification, to rarefy something to its essence, to burn as a way of cleansing, like sacrificing a lamb in the old days, the really old days. Fire is a way to try your courage. Think of the term trial by fire. It's a way to regeneration. The phoenix rises from the ashes. Fire is also knowledge. Remember Prometheus? You know that story. He brings fire to the people. He brings fire and elevates them above the animals. And for doing that, he was severely punished. 
for a long time. You know, the whole getting his liver poked out, wherever the liver is. But fire is also God's glory. Think of the burning bush or, or the hearts of flame that you see in a lot of religious iconography. The fire did elevate us above the animals. And then of course we have the eternal flame above the altar. That's good. The flames of hell, not so much. There are just a few of the fire gods and creatures. Once again, my list. There's Vulcan, the Roman god also associated with volcanoes and craftsmanship because he forges weapons and tools from fire. I'm going to ruin this name here, sorry. Chu Yong is the Chinese god who punished those who broke heavenly laws. Chantico is the Aztec goddess of the hearth and volcanoes and the patroness of goldsmiths. Sakmet, a woman, you know, with the lioness's head. She was an Egyptian goddess who killed enemies with arrows of fire. So not fun. And kept a fire spewing snake at her side. Hmm, that sounds like a lot like a dragon. Agni is the Vedic god. Agni means fire in Sanskrit, at least according to my mythology book. This Vedic god is often depicted with two heads, indicating that he is both merciful and destructive. So a duality, as we see with all of fire. Maui is a Polynesian god who stole fire from the Earth Mother. And Afrit is not a god, but an uh, Arabic and Islamic supernatural creature of fire who is often portrayed as evil. The salamander, also not a god, was one of the four elementals. And if you want a great example of a salamander, go check out Ray Bradbury's um, Fahrenheit 451 because he's got that symbol in there, amazing. See what I did there? Now let's look at water. Water is divine wrath or wrath. Every culture has its own version of a flood story. Very interesting. Water is transforming. It is also changeable from stagnant water to raging water, from shallow to deep. All ways that you can use symbolism. There's a great old song by Evie Brickell. I don't know the name of the song, but she says, throw me into shallow water before I get too deep. Meaning she just wants to stay, you know, superficial because getting deep, going de under deep, that's soul stuff. Water destroys. Okay, we got that with the flood. And also we see that on the news as well. It is a force to be reckoned with. Water also purifies. Think of baptism. Water is primordial. All life's sprung forth from the ooze in many creation myths. It is also life-giving. It is the fountain of youth. Water is fertility and irrigation. Water is a natural and symbolic barrier to another world or realm. Water reflects your image, although it did lead to Narcissus's drowning. Water is a transportation device. We see this in a lot of myths where if you're in the water, and I'm thinking of the Encantado myth in um, South America, an evil creature that actually transforms in the water from a dolphin to a person that looks for people to capture and steal and bring back to their watery realm. 
Water is a form of torture. It is, it expresses divination. Water is healing. And then of course we have the four rivers of paradise. And then we have the river Styx separating earth from Hades. Then we have sacred rivers like the Ganges. So here are a few water gods and creatures. Handy list again. Poseidon or Neptune is the god with the trident who rides upon dolphins and controls the sea. Yeah, we all watch Little Mermaid. Sedna is the Inuit sea goddess ruling over all sea creatures. Uh, I'm gonna ruin this name. Carabidus, Carabidus, Carabidus. I cannot pronounce those Greek names. Is the monster daughter of Poseidon and takes the form of a whirlwind that sucks in all those unsuspecting travelers. And of course we have mermaids, selkies, and every culture has their own name for all those water nymphs. There's Encantado, which I just mentioned. There's Undines, also I'm sure I mispronounced it. It's one of the four elementals. There's Nerads and Nigingos and Wallywalks, and I'm probably mispronouncing all of them. There's Sirens, you know them. Come on over here, boys. <laughs> And there are Mommy Waters, Jenkins, Macaris, Hippocampus, Bunny Yips, Ateros, Capis, Grindylaus, Bishopfish, Catus, Kraken, Greek. And I'm sure I missed a few. Water, fire, you can have so much fun with these symbols. Whether it's having your character dip their toe in the water, get burnt, can, you know, put their finger to stop a candle. All of these give character clues. The obvious ones, of course, is if your character, you know, is drowned or has some kind of water experience and they emerge an entirely different person. Definitely that is something. And we're actually gonna be looking at water too in terms of weather in another video. But water, it can hurt you, it can harm you. Fire, we need it for warmth, it's protection, and it's tragedy, and it's pain and suffering. All of those work together. So next time you have a fire or water, think, hmm, can I add a little bit more symbolic punch? Can I improve my characterization, my conflict, emotion? We use terms like fiery. People have watery eyes. They can drown in their sorrows. Is there a way I can use those images that we are already familiar with, that we already know unconsciously and respond to unconsciously to, you know, add that extra emotion or, you know, add nuance to the conflict or the character. A lot of different ways you could do it. I hope you enjoyed Fire and Water. And if you haven't already, I would love if you would subscribe and of course hit that notify button. If you like the video, give it a thumbs up. Thank you so much and thank you for joining me today. And remember, dream, create, and embrace. Bye-bye writers. Thank you. See you next time.